I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have George Young. He is a four-time Olympian from 1960 to 1972, uh, bronze in the steeplechase at the 68 Olympic Games, uh, held several American records, two world, world records in the indoor two and three mile, graduate of the University of Arizona, um, coach at Casa Grande as well as, as uh, athletic director, so thanks for joining me today, George. Okay, glad to hear from you. <laughs> you know, my first question is, how did you get into running? Well, you know, I, I grew up, I was born in Roswell, but, I, but we, moved to, we moved to Roswell, I mean, to Silver City when I was eight. And, and by the way, we, we moved before the aliens got there, so I'm, no, I'm not kin to the aliens. So that's always <laughs> a question I get, but... In any case, uh, I grew up there, really a great town, great community to, to live in, a lot of things to do, but when you get to high school, the uh, the only sports they had was football, basketball, and track. They didn't have baseball, which to this day is all right with me, I, but anyway, so, you know, there was, there, after school was out, uh, and then all my buddies and my good friends and everything, they all went out for one of the sports, so I went out for... Uh, football and, and basketball and, and played a lot of played a lot of, of that of those sports and then of course come to track and uh, the thing is I could I could run forever I mom said mom said she thought I when I when I was born I came out running but <laughs> anyway I, I guess anytime I went anywhere well I I just for some reason I did take off and run I think it's because I wanted to hurry and get to wherever I was going but but I never thought anything about it and uh then growing up in Silver City, uh, uh, of course, I didn't have a car, and, and Dad was a traveling salesman, so we had no car. So if I wanted to go to town, well, I'd just take off, and, and, and I say they, I say run. I was jogging, of course. But I found out I could run just – I actually thought about it. I could run very comfortably and not even hardly break a sweat or not even breathe hard because I just relax and everything. So just my own uh, – well, I'm thinking that thing taught me a lot about running, you know. I also knew growing up on the playground that I was one of the fastest kids uh, in the class. When I was a young kid, I would play games, and if they had Red Rover, Red Rover, let somebody come over, they'd never ask for me because I was fast. <laughs> and I, I could I could really... <laughs> the teacher told me someday, that you can't be playing that. You're going to hurt somebody. I wasn't big, but I but I was fast, and and I'm not you know I wasn't bragging about it. I just knew I was fast, and I could run. So I I thinking thinking back mentally, I just just always thought well if there was, a, and I like to compete. I love competing football. I played quarterback and and safety and basketball. I played a lot of basketball, and uh, I knew I could run fast, and uh, so I, I I just was. I was always running and pretty good at it. So when it came to track, you know, I started off. I started off as a freshman since I could run a lot. Well, coach says he didn't need me to run anything else, so he just he just put me on track and made me run the mile. Well, I I wasn't very big, wasn't long leg or anything. I could run, and I could finish, and 
but it never was in there with the top minors or anything like that. But as the seasons progressed and everything, well, the coach found out it was pretty fast. So pretty soon I was I was running all the sprint relays, the four, 400 relay, the 880 relay, the medley relay, the mile medley, and I ran all those things. And, and, and thinking back, Sebastian, I, as you as a coach know, what I learned to do is when you run those races, you run as fast as you can possibly run. Right. And I found out coaching distance runners in college, by the way, you'd find that you'd get these kids who were pretty good distance runners and come in. And I used to, I used to test them, see how fast they could run a, a running hundred. And they'd get back and they'd take off and they'd run. And I said, no, no, I mean sprint. Well, I don't know what you mean. I said, that means it's like if someone was chasing you, a bear was chasing you, or someone was trying to cut your throat and you're trying to, oh, you mean as fast as I can go. Well, a lot of kids have never never experienced running as fast as they could possibly run, and a lot of them were faster than they thought they could be. Right. So so my background was really great in terms of I started off as a sprinter, not as a distance runner. And, and I was a pretty good sprinter. You know, I could run a quarter probably, I could probably break 50 seconds. And, and But it never was it never was tested or tried, so I don't know how fast I could run, but I could have probably run a decent one. So then when I got into college and, uh, and everything, and I, and I, I uh, pledged a fraternity mainly so I could uh, get a job uh, washing dishes and, and hashing so I could pay for my room and board because uh, my my parents didn't have the word for to help send me to a university. So anyway, I had to earn the money, so I did that. But pledges, pledges had to, in that fraternity, because intramural fraternity competition on the campus at the University of Arizona, it was a big deal. So all the freshman pledges had to run the first event of the year was an intramural cross-country race. So I, it was, uh, I think it was two miles or maybe two miles. It probably wasn't much over two miles. But, you know, to me, it was just a competition. So I got in a race, and it, it probably with all the fraternities entering at least one team, you know, it was probably a couple hundred. <laughs> all I knew is. <laughs> you know, just follow whoever whoever was leading the race. And I just followed him around till he got to the end. Then I took off and I won it handily. And unbeknownst to me, the freshman cross country recruits on scholarship could run in it because they had not yet lettered again. They lettered so they could run the intramural. And I beat all of them. And so the track coach came around and, and said, "You know, hey son, I want you to come out for cross country." I said, well, I I don't know what that is. We didn't have that in high school. He said, well, you, you run this and run that. And I said, well, I really don't have time to do that because I said, you know, I'm I'm working my way through college and I, I have yet to get me another job. He said, you come out and run and I'll get you a job. I said, I'll run. <laughs> so, so I started running cross country. Wow. That is, that's kind of the basis of all my running and and then, and then to me, running a race is just like anything else. It's just competition. So if I was running, I was going to try and win. So, I, you know, it, 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 as you know, it just, it's really pretty simple. Right. But you just got to have the attitude. And, of course, my favorite coach, my best coach ever, someone asked me, was I said, well, it's my mom. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? <laughs> she, she says, you can, you can do anything you set your mind to. And anything you set your mind to do, you have to finish. And one thing you can't say is, I can't. She would not let you use the word, I can't. 
she had a, being from Texas, they had all sorts of Texas colloquialisms and just, oh man, can't, never could, and never will be able to do anything. So you never said in front of my mom, you can't do anything. That was just not acceptable. So I, you know, I just, it, it was just drilled into me and it, it wasn't any, I, didn't, I never thought, and I still don't think it was any big deal. It was just pretty good advice. Yeah. And, uh, and then that was the basis of my beginning, Zeb. That was kind of what it was all about. So wow. from then on, it was just a matter of competing. Wow. Well, you know, what took you to Arizona instead of, you know, staying in New Mexico, going <laughs> to like UNM or, or New Mexico State or, or even El Paso, really? Well, I was, I was in love. <laughs> uh, uh, my, my girlfriend was a, uh, a big time, one of the biggest ranchers. In the in the area up around Silver City, big time ranchers and and her sister and her folks had sent them sent them to sent her to to Tucson, the University of Arizona, because it was a little bit higher class, I guess they thought, than maybe UNM. But so her sister gone, so she was going to go there too, but she was a year behind me. I was in love, so I thought, well, I'll just go to school there. And Dad says, well, if you do, you're on your own because I can't help afford that kind of money. Right. So I, I I went over and, and enrolled and uh, got me a job and uh, I had all sorts of jobs and and, uh, and just started working my way through and that's when I went to University of Arizona the first year was because my girlfriend was going to come next year and, and she did so I ended up over in Tucson <laughs> actually Tucson is closer to Silver City than Albuquerque is it. I guess right. I, I I guess I haven't really uh, you know thought of it. It's, like a, it's 180 miles, and it's a little further than that, I think, from Silver City to Albuquerque. Wow! All but, right. So anyway, <laughs> that's that's how I ended up there. Wow! And so I mean, you were running cross country and track. Did you enjoy uh, the track just because you were a little bit more used to it, or or did you kind of uh, fall in love with cross country as well well i liked it because i you know my mind wasn't you know like i said i'd ran so much you know and then i trained i had pretty rigid so i'll say rigid the training programs i never thought they never asked me to do anything i couldn't do in workouts if it was to go on a long run fine i, I just went on a long run <laughs> and i had i had obviously growing up we i my mom she didn't know that much, I think, about diets and everything, although she knew that, you know, we didn't eat any junk food or anything. We ate really well. And and, and then I ran everywhere I went, and I never thought to the fact that you get in a race, I couldn't do it. All I, I mean, getting in a race to me was just, uh, just you just follow the leaders, and when you get towards the finish line, well, you just outkick them. <laughs> that, that was the only thing I was That was the only thing that was in my mind. <laughs> and like like my mom said, you set your mind to it. If you, if you really believe, then then you can do anything you want. So I just I just didn't think it was all that hard. And then I realized that it, it was hard enough that most people weren't going to do it. Right. <laughs> so so they were leaving it all. They were leaving it all for me. So it was just, <laughs> okay. If they won't do it. I'll do it. So <laughs> I, it was just I, and and then. Then you know, after you're fairly successful, then you then you start thinking about you know that's when you start thinking about what you're doing more. 
train in, in the fact that I'm not doing anything that's all that hard. So I don't want any, I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing because I'm not working that hard and I'm still winning. And then on the other hand, that also means I can work harder if I set my mind to it. So I was just continuing my Knowing that I could, just knowing I could do more, and I would test myself many times, and and uh, and at the same time when I was running, I'd think, well, you just you got to be, you got to use not use any more energy than you have to, to to still run as fast as you could run. And you know how many how many of your runners really think about that? You know, if if they really think about that, you can you can actually con yourself or your mind. And like I said, your soup your your subconscious mind is there to try and get you to slow down right it, it says hey you're hurting and i remember getting in running by myself and i didn't like to do a lot of my workouts with anybody else because they all ran too slow and and by myself on a long run i could go out on a long run and i'd, I'd be gliding along and running pretty decent speed come to find out later i was when i was in good shape i was i was I was running in you know, like 5:45, 5:50 pace on my morning runs. Wow! And 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 I would get thinking, you know, this this isn't that hard. I and then it'd say, well, I start getting tired a little bit, and I said, all right, subconscious mind, that's tough. I'd pick up the pace, and I'd pick up the pace till the point in time that I think I can't do anymore, and then I'd try to do some more. And I used to test myself mentally like that, and I found out that that I was right, you know. My body could do a lot more than my subconscious mind was was trying to let me do. So I would do things and run races and run timing workouts and stuff like that that I would never, I would never tell anybody what I was doing because a lot of times they probably wouldn't believe me anyway. <laughs> so it was just a, a matter of, and I knew I could feel it in my body that I was getting in better and better shape to the point that at some times in my career I got to the point that when I got on the starting line. I, I didn't feel cocky. I didn't talk about anything. I just felt confident that, you know, I don't know how these guys are going to run, but whatever they do, I'll beat them. Nice. And, and I was that confident back then. And it, and it wasn't, I didn't, I tried my best to make sure, especially amongst my old friends that I didn't, that didn't run or anything like that. I tried to make sure I was not acting any different than I'd ever acted because I'd seen a lot of, a lot of winners are big time athletes. People prance around and boy, they are hard to, and I didn't ever want to appear to be, act like I'd done something that was special. Right. So that was always very important to me. I didn't, I didn't want and still don't want anybody to, to think I've done anything that's special that they couldn't do or that no one else could do it because that's just not true. I think that's a that's a great attitude, and and I'm curious, how did that kind of inform your coaching career as far as trying to get the athletes you were coaching to to believe that in themselves as well? Well, it's it's well as you know, it's it's uh, you know, and while I was when I was running, of course, I was careful. I you know I was careful not to get them out and drill them or anything like that. But I, I would I would run long and, and you know just and, and I might be talking to them and you think they're slowing down I'd start saying oh you're all right just keep on going I'd start talking about something else and just keep on going and you know finish a hard workout and and I'd stop and I say now think about it and at what point in time during a run did you 
did, did you think about quitting or said, well, yeah, but we'll see. <laughs> you didn't have to. <laughs> so, and, and just having the confidence that, that the workouts were going to, uh, I'd had some pretty good athletes, like I said, in high school. I started the cross-country program at Cascadian High School. They didn't have it before. And and within a year, I had a couple couple good little Mexican uh, kids. Also, their dads were, were were farm workers, and these kids were good. By the way, they were both excellent students. And uh, and boy, they 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 did do anything I told them to do, the workouts or whatever. And I it was reasonable. After I do a workout, I'd look out and I was like, man, they can do more than that. So I just I just I used to use a, I used to call it averaging where you do intervals and you have a set number of intervals, you have a set, uh, you have a set, uh, uh, interval. Like I used to run 12, four, one of my 12, four hundreds with a one minute rest interval. Right. And that was where I kind of gauged my conditioning, a lot of it. And then I have an average. So I'd do that with them also. And then I just gradually tell them to take it up. Well, pretty soon they're doing things that, that they realized that they really didn't think they could do. Just because they're getting in better shape, you know. Right. But you know, it's uh, you know, once they started doing that, and these these two kids, Roy and, and Manuel, I mean, they had kids in high school. Uh, they were heroes. They became some heroes. And I had I get to where I had so many kids coming to uh, want to come out for cross country football. Coach says, "Leave my kids alone." I said, "I don't talk to them." He said, "Yeah, but." They see the success and all the notoriety these kids are getting, and they want some of it. And I want to tell them, well, you can get off your ass and do something. <laughs> you know? So uh, anyway, we had we had a very successful bunch of runners, good kids, and they did, and they went great. But they were better and better, and you know, we, well, I think in 1966, uh, I was the head coach and had a couple of good assistant coaches, and and, and we won the state track meet, and. We were probably the smallest five A. We were the smallest five A school in the in the finals. You know, we beat Phoenix Union, Tucson High, Westwood, Camelback, and we won the state track meet because we just had a bunch of good, hardworking kids, and boy, they 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 loved it. So, just establishing an attitude that, that you know what what the coach tells us to do, we can do. That's... They believed in me and. Uh, Still hear from some of them. Some of them day they call me every once in a while. Want to know how I'm doing? So. <laughs> That's great. I mean, one. I mean, the relationship with with athletes and coaches, I think, is so amazing. But also, I mean, did did they know at the time that their coach was an Olympian? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yes, they did. And that probably gave me a you know that, that gave me a little head start, I guess. Also, you know, they say well. And I'd try and convince them, you know, if I did it, you can do it. And said, so look at me. I mean, just look at me standing next to him. <laughs> you see anything, you see anything here that, that you can't, uh, you, I have that you don't have? And, and it, I, you know, they, you got, they got, they had to think about that. So it, it was just giving them the confidence. And like I said, some of the, these, couple of these kids are really good students. So, they uh, they did some serious thinking and they they did very well. So it it was uh, it was a lot of fun, especially with younger kids like that who hadn't ran much before. You know, you get in college and recruit these kids, and 
they think they're hot shit and and, and they know everything. And then in some cases, they well, you know, my coach would never had us do something like this. So you have that kind of deal with. So dealing with college athletes, it, it was, was well, it was okay, but it wasn't as much fun as, as coaching in high school. Where you're, where you're leading the kids, and they'll they'll do anything you try and get them to do, you know. Right. So you got to be so you got to be reasonable with it. But uh, anyway, it was it was. I love my coaching career too. I had a lot of good years. Yeah, and and I want to get back into the coaching, but I want to back up again for a little bit. I mean, you know, in some of my research, I I found out you you ended up running the steeplechase kind of by accident well i i guess you know i i uh that was in my senior year in in college and uh because i had competed on the varsity for four years now this i don't know if you remember back but they did it to you know the time they didn't know any of these football players he had heard as freshmen out of high school so they could not compete as freshmen on the varsity football team Okay. So to be to equalize that, they just made the rule for all sports. So I did run four years on the varsity. So my senior year, and I was undefeated in, in a mile and a two mile, my senior year in college, and I was selected as the outstanding graduating senior at the University of Arizona in 1959. Wow. But the coach, he said, George, he said, you can't go to national you meet or the, or the Olympic, I mean, these things like this. But you can go to the, uh, to the, uh, I don't, they weren't, it wasn't the Olympic trials. It was the national, I guess it was the national AAU or whatever meet. He says, you can run in that. You can't go to the NCAAs. And he said, I'll raise the money in town to send you. And it's in, it's in Denver, Colorado. And he said, I want you to run the steeplechase. Well, I said, I don't I know what it is. We didn't have a steeplechase. <laughs> so he explained it to me. And, and I realize now the reason he did it is although I'd won all my races, they weren't all that fast because I didn't have to run that fast. I, I think I ran 4.11 or 4.12 and like 9.11 and 9.12. But I won all my races. And uh, they weren't all that fast. So he said, well, do it to himself. He didn't say to me. He said, well, all the top distance runners in the country from Oregon and Kansas and all those places, they're all going to be running the, you know, the, the, uh, 5,000 and, 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 uh, the mile and the 5,000 or whatever it was, the mile and whatever it was. So he said, this will be a, there'll be a, be a good place for you to run. So I practiced and, and tried to learn as much as I could about the steeplechase. So he threw me into the steeplechase and, and, uh, and he, uh, you know, and I got there, uh, I remember getting there and, and said, you, you probably understand this. I, I had read about, I'd read Sports Illustrated newspapers. I'd read about Terry O'Brien and Don Bragg and all these great runners and distance runners and all. Right. And I was so, I, I was just, I was just totally nervous. I was afraid to go into dining halls nearly set with all those great runners and great people. <laughs> but I thought, geez, this is going to get the hell out of here. Why am I here? You know. So we got into the uh, steeplechase, and sure enough, on the track were 
there were some good runners in there, but there were just a bunch of them. And what they had done, they dumped everybody in there that wasn't good enough. They didn't think was good enough to maybe score and or to get a place in the in the five or the two or the one mile, whatever. And there's a bunch of people in there running. I never and I'd never been in a race before. I'd been practicing on the hurdles. And I even had some bales of hay that I day that I jumped off and had a twelve foot mark in front of it. <laughs> Although I, I never I never really tried to clear the water. Well, I could, but it, it was just I wanted to get when I ran the steeplechase. I tried to get my foot on the ground to be running as fast as I could. But right. it was in the water. One foot was. But anyway, I got in the race and I'm running there and I know what the hell is happening. I mean, there were so many people. Pretty soon we're lapping people. So that's how bad it was. Wow. But standing on, on the inside of the track, Maxie Tuak ran for Southern Cal. I don't know if you remember that name, but he was our—he was the best—he was the best ten thousand, five thousand runner in America. And we had ran when we had ran against Southern Cal earlier. Uh, he didn't run the run the races I was in, but he—he uh, he, I, I went over to talk to him, and he was very nice and everything. But I was a nobody, you know, so he just kind of nice to me. <laughs> but he was he was at the uh he was at the meet and he was on standing inside on next to the track and we came by and i don't know how far we had to go in the race and he said george you're 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 close to being in third place here just keep it up pick it up and everything like that and and i saw him and i recognized him and i thought holy mackerel he knows my name <laughs> <laughs> I got all excited. I took off, and well, I ended up, uh, I ended up uh, getting in top three. I think it was top three. Oh, I know it had to be in the top three. So that qualified me for the Russian American meet and the Pan American Games. Maybe I got second. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I won. I can't remember. That's such a long time ago. Right. Well, I know it qualified me for all these, all these other things. And that's how I got started running the steeplechase. Wow. But. It was it, it was it was something else. I was I was sure glad to get it over with. <laughs> Looking back, Seb, over the total totality of my career, I'd have been much better off uh, running the five thousand because I could I ran a sub four minute mile, right? And I ran a and I ran an eight twenty two two mile, and and a three mile was just made to order for me. But I got I got stuck in there and meet promoters, for example, they except for indoors, you know, they know we're advertising you to run the steeplechase, you gotta do this. So that's how I got stuck in there and I was not I could I I really worked hard on hurdling. One of my assistant coaches back then, uh, well he was a, he had been the head football track coach Kazgan, but he was in my opinion probably one of the best hurdle coaches in the nation. In fact he spoke to the uh he spoke to. He had high school runners who had who had, who had run under 14 flat. He spoke to the national uh, track coaches convention in Eugene one time. He was invited to talk there, and I remember Peyton Jordan told me from Stanford told me one day. He said, "There's this guy from Casagrande, a hurdle coach." He said, "I heard him speak at Deal. He said he knew about more about hurdling than anybody in the audience." And anyway, so he worked with me on the hurdling and uh, did a lot of hurdle drills. So I wasn't that bad at it. But on the other hand, I'm really not that long-legged, you know. Right. And uh, and uh, but that I should have uh, run the five thousand would have would have been much better for me. But 
That's I, just, I was stuck. <laughs> That's it. I liked in, liked indoor because it was a two mile race, and I love two mile races. They were just hard enough that people couldn't keep up a hard pace like I could, and and uh, that was just a fine distance for me. But, <laughs> Well, that's that's the way it went. There were, that, so when I look back, there were just uh, there were so many strange things that just happened to me, like like happened to go to that AAU meeting, like just happening to go to the University of Arizona, and, and I, like just happening to run the cross intramural cross country. And some say, "Well, how did you plan on making?" I, I never thought about the Olympics. I, all I thought about this was a bunch of super athletes that certainly a lot better than I'd ever be. <laughs> and so it was just, like I said, like it just, and, and the same way was with my racing. You know, I'd, I'd run a, a race in a certain time, and I thought, geez, I wasn't, I can run faster than that. So what I did was just getting, getting into better competition, I got faster and faster because they were running, I had to run faster to beat them. So, <laughs> so that, and to me, that was, that was, that was the enjoyment of running. I enjoyed, some lady asked me one time, I, Got got into giving a lot of speeches in Arizona here and around, and one lady I remember in the audience says, "Well, uh, I, at your age, and I by that time I was, I was 36 or 37 when I broke the four minute mile." She said, well, "Why are you doing running all the time?" He said, "Well, I kind of enjoy it." <laughs> she said, "Well, you enjoy running?" She said, "I said, yeah. I, I guess the fact is, I enjoy." Winning races. I guess I enjoy beating other runners. Well, she said that's not very nice. <laughs> and, I, and I said, "Well, that's a lot better than getting second." <laughs> and she looked at me. And she sat down and shut up. So anyway, <laughs> I, I just uh, I, I never thought about I was hurting anybody. I just thought I was there to beat them. So I just enjoyed my running. That, uh, and I got, and I knew I was good at it. Uh, you know, someone says, "Well, you're bragging." I said, "No, I, I just knew that I was doing." Like I said, I'd go on a long run and come back and look at how long it'd take me. I'm thinking, "Geez, I must have cut across someplace because I couldn't have been running that speed." <laughs> Looking back, I had, I had been. I at one point in time, I was, I was in such good shape that I, 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 off of Bill Toomey one time talking to me about I was going to retire. He said, you shouldn't. At the condition you're in now, you ought to go out. You could probably break all the distance records in the world from probably above 5,000, but certainly 5,000 on down. And and uh, looking back, Seb, I, I very well might have. Because you, you, you'd have a hard time believing if people would if, if they saw my workout. And I never thought they were exceptional. I just knew I was getting stronger and faster. Wow. And uh, that was one thing that Coach Fox helped me with. That you probably heard about Coach Fox. Yeah. At uh, Western, and, and I went to him after I'd made two Olympic teams, and I said, "You know, Coach, I made two Olympic teams, and I know my I know my training was good, but I know I know I, I could have run my training could have been a lot harder because I just I just wake up someday and think, well, what am I going to do today? And I need somebody to to get that organized, and I know you can do it. He was a good coach. And he was also a math teacher, an instructor at New Mexico Western, and a good friend of mine. In fact, he had taught me math when I was a freshman in high school. But anyway, he said, yeah, I'll do it. But you've got to follow my my coaching plans explicitly. I said, I'll do it. And he's the one that started me on this 
12 quarters for average. Wow. And he said, and and you will not vary from what I did. Well, basically what I did that, you know, just makes sense. And I've tried to mention this to coaches' clinics, but they, the coaches, as you know, they don't, they already know it all, so they don't listen. And, <laughs> but I, I told them, I said, I, I'll give you an example. I ran, the first time I ran the 12 quarters with the one-minute interval, I said, I was, you know, I'd been running. I was I'd been running fast races, but I'd been running fairly well. And he so he set my he said I want you to run the at at seventy seconds if you can with a minute interval. And I remember getting to it and I think oh shit that wasn't I can do that that's pretty easy. And so then I, he would he would send me a week at a time, and not necessarily every week, but uh, probably probably at least the ten days I'd come back to the uh, quarters. And he would have on that week he'd have all right this. This, your, your pace for this is going to be, it, it could have been, you know, 69.5 or 69. And I was not to vary from that schedule. Right. Now, this was in August. And, and this was about a year before the next Olympic trials. And I remember one time I was running the quarters and it was coming down, it's coming down. I remember one time I was running, I was around 63 or 64 seconds. And I just felt so good that I just picked it up a little bit, and I ran like 62, and I sent it in. He called me on the telephone. He said, you me, if you don't do my workouts while I'm quitting. I said, what's wrong? <laughs> he said, I told you to, to run the schedule as I sent it. Now, looking back, what he had done is he had brought me down from, in that 12 months, he had brought me down from 70 seconds to, to uh, I was under under 60, like, you know. Wow. And, and, but then the other thing in the workouts he did, we run, I'd run like uh, 24 220s, I run 16 300s, and they would be just uh, slightly faster than the 440 pace. The 200s would be slightly faster than 300 pace. And I could, I saw that right away, and I knew this is the mathematician doing all this stuff. <laughs> and come to find out that it, it was, I'd, I'd done that so long that I was just coming down. I one time ran 24 200s in, in average uh, 25, 6, or 7, a uh, 220. Wow. And and uh, that was a 220 jog in between, by the way. But uh, it was like it was like when you put it all together, he made things just, I just I was getting stronger and stronger and, and feeling better and better. And before, I would do a workout, and I'd do a workout, and I wasn't happy with the workout unless I got cramps or puked. <laughs> so, so I just run myself till I couldn't run anymore, and he kept me healthy and, and just improving gradually through the season. And everybody, the coaches say, "Well, well, that's easy to figure out." And I said, "Okay, well then, do it." Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, that was my program, and I go on long run. I ran I ran seven and a half miles every morning. Yeah, I had a, a place right at my house there. It's outside of town, and Never thought of it before, but it was slightly uphill for the first mile and a half. Now you look at it and you say slightly, well, that's it's not up a mountain, but it's it was uphill. Right. And and what I, I, I do that seven and a half miles every morning. That was the other thing: consistency of workouts every morning. And except on one one day a week, in which time I would go anywhere from a, a twelve to a twenty mile run once a week when I just do one workout. But uh, I, I remember doing my seven-half-mile run, and another thing, I remember running it 
And when I finished, it was back, I say, down the hill. You look at it, and it's not really downhill, but you can tell that it is downhill. So it was about a, it was about, what is it, about a mile and a half uh, up or down, uh, down this slope going up to the park. And so when I was finishing, I'd go down that thing and I'd pick up the pace. Well, it's downhill. This is easy. I can pick up. Then I'd get a half mile from the house and I'd think, well, let's see. And I'd bring it down till I was running about a two minute half mile wow. to finish. And, and, you know, when you put all those things together and people say, well, I don't know how you do this and do that. Well, you, you don't, it wasn't by any, it wasn't, it wasn't any mistake I made <laughs> anything like that. It's just what I did. So, it, it, no, like I said, there's just no secrets to it. It's just, and I enjoyed doing it. You know, you have to finish it. Tell somebody, it's nothing feeling better than doing a very hard workout, whether it's a long run or interval training, and going in and taking a nice hot shower, and you feel so good with what you've done. And, and so your whole attitude and, and everything like that is a positive one. Right. Just <laughs> well, you're talking. So you you got a hold of Fox. That this is. So you said you had qualified already for two Olympics. So this is leading up to Mexico City, then. Right. And uh, you know that was, I mean, your best finish at an Olympics, getting that that bronze. And then you mm-hmm. you also ran the marathon at that Olympics, right? Right. And so you were doing these workouts. I mean, you're talking about running, you know, 400s or 440s, 300s, 220s in lead-ups for for marathon and, and steeple, which is, I mean, that's not something you see nowadays. You don't see guys or, or women, you know, doubling in a steeple in a marathon, well, if anything, you know, 10,000 a marathon. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Seb. You can't, I can't tell you how many times I, I don't discuss it with, you get in a discussion with a, with a marathon runner as, as a track runner, and you might as well forget about it because they are, they, I, I used to tell them, I said, I used to try and tell them, I said, I, would you rather go run, uh, 12 miles or, run, or would you rather run 12 quarters as fast as you can run them with a short interval? Well, I couldn't do that. And I said, well, <laughs> which one do you think is the hardest or the most painful? Well, I don't, I don't know. I said, well, I can tell you because I've tried both. And uh, so you, you try to tell them, you know, there's something about the pain level, and I can guarantee you it's there in the marathon, that you achieve by running the shorter, faster distances by pressing your body to as fast as well as they can go. And, and I tried to tell them, I said, the year I won the, won the Olympic marathon trial, I also ran a sub-four-minute mile. Wow. Now, does that tell you something about my training? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, and by the way, in the Olympic Games, with 4,000 meters to go, I was probably about seventh or eighth place. And I got cramps in both legs from my butt down to my heels. And I just had to stiff walk the last 4,000 meters. And, uh, of course, that was my fault, my ignorant part, because I just, I was racing and I'd, I'd pass up the, the, the aid stations and not take in the fluid that I needed to take in. But in any case, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, and you talk to marathoners, 
uh, the marathon or some marathon. You made there one marathon, and I can't think of his name. He wrote. A, he called me and he wanted some of my workouts and things. He's writing a book about the top distance runners of all time in America. I don't know if you've seen it. I, I, he sent me a copy of it, and I about puked. <laughs> uh, and uh, most of them in there I had beaten, but I was ranked 29th in America, best distance runner of all time. Wow. Now, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but I'm a little better than that. <laughs> and uh, he said, I don't, you know, he said, by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I have rating for all things. Of course, all his ratings were pretty much for marathons and everything. He said, I don't, I don't count the indoor running. He said, I know you've been pretty good at two miles. And I said, well, it's a distance race. Oh, oh but it's just two miles. I said, well, it's, I'm a distance runner. Well, I don't know, I like this. And they came out, so that I, I started to write him a letter, and but I thought, no, geez, he's just a marathoner, and that's, that's all they they were pissed at me and, and Billy both Billy Mills we went up to run the marathon tiles and all the all of them were sitting there before the race and what are you sprinters doing here <laughs> <laughs> and just laughing and everything like that and then after it was over a couple of them came around and talked to me they said you know you ought to give up your spot here because you're not a marathoner wow. I said well did did, I, did we just run a race and do I went yeah yeah but you you don't you don't understand. And then actually, as it turned out, they were partially right. Although I was right in the race still up to that time, but uh, they they said, "Oh yeah, because you know, you're not a marathoner." They have they have their own clan and their clannish ideas and everything like that. And okay, uh, well, it's like uh, what's it shorter? Shorter was a good two miler, right? And uh, and and then ran a fast two mile, and all. And uh, they don't, you know, well, what the hell. And I was never beaten by him at a two mile, but anyway, uh, it's 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 all history, and I, I I just live with what I got or what I did <laughs> or didn't do. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a pretty amazing career. Again, I mean, if we if we just look at the running, you know, a four time Olympian, that's not something that a lot of people have accomplished. Well, I'll tell you something else that, that that you mentioned that that people used to say. They say, "Geez, well, you, uh, how could you even stand all the pressure at the Olympic Games?" And I said, "You know, the, uh, there's pressure there, but I said there's not near as much pressure when you stop on the starting line of the Olympic trials to make the team. After four years of training to make the Olympic team, you step on a track with the 12 best runners in the United States." And you got to finish in the top three to make the Olympic team. I said, now that's pressure. And you're looking at four years. It'd be like you're getting in high school and you go to high school for four years, and and the and the last day you get in the room. Now you got to pass this test, or you're not going to graduate. You know, or, or something like that. I said, people don't understand. It's four years of training, and preparation, and then you got one race, one at one time to try it, regardless of the weather. Or anything like that. This is your one chance to make. It. And I said, "Now that's that's pressure." So I said, yeah. "You know that." And and uh, I, I I just uh, just telling you know, the Olympic Games that was fun and there's pressure, but it was not the pressure you had to try and make the team. I've seen a lot of runners, by the way, Chef. I say a lot, quite a few, especially distance runners, who once they make the Olympic team just go to pot because 
that was their deal to make the, to make, to make the Olympic team. And right. I can understand that even. No, we made the Olympic team. That's all that counts. Right. I'm an Olympic. And without giving themselves any credit or any chance to, or to win at the games. But anyway, that's off the story. But that, <laughs> that's a fact. You know, it's four years, four years at a time right. to make it. Well, you know, for me, you know, you, you say that people ask you this. For me, I'm trying to think of how you manage to train for, for these big races, train for Olympics, and you were teaching, you were coaching. How did you find enough hours in the day for all of that? <laughs> well, I... I I never really thought that there was any problem time-wise. I also uh, got married, had two kids, right. and built my house. <laughs> built, I bought a house and built on and built on my house and all. Uh, and I, you know, I've told kids at, at New College, because uh, you, you got high, high school kids by the same way, but right. kids in college, they say, Coach, you know, our scholarships weren't big scholarships, he said, uh, so I'd always had, I always had a line of work study jobs on campus. Plus I could give them books and tuition. And I said, you can, you got a job with you here working in the math department and it'll help pay for your room and board. Coach, I just don't have time to do all that with studying and everything like that. Well, that's bullshit, you know. I said, well, look at it this way. You got, you're taking 15 hours of class work. That means you're going to be in classroom, uh, approximately 15, 16 hours a week. And, uh, and, and and then you uh, you say you got to study. You know, let's let's give you another 15, 16, 20 hours a week. And I said you add all those hours together, and there's a lot of hours in there. What are you doing with them? <laughs> you know, so you just got to organize your thought. I my thought was I get up and run in the morning in basically 45 minutes because I I was running even though it's seven and a half miles, I was running at least six minute pace. So, you know, that's 45 minutes in the morning. And and then in the afternoon, I do a workout. Now, you know, if I was working a track workout more than 45 minutes, I I don't know what it would be, what I would have been doing. <laughs> because you, you if you're running 12 quarters in, in 60 seconds with a one-minute interval, uh, that's 24 minutes. And then if you do your warm-up two miles, you know, that's another, and you cool down to two miles. That's not even another 45 minutes. So you got 90 minutes a day to train if you're training seriously. Now, what, what are you doing with the rest of that time? It's just a matter of if you get mentally, mentally you're into the training, you know it's good and it feels good and you're pushing it and you're, you're thinking about it. I just didn't go, I just didn't go run. I think I see a lot of my runners and, and fairly good ones. They, you tell them to go run something, they just run along, they're talking to their friend next to them and they're, jogging and shooting the shit and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they're really not into it. So, you know, in terms of time, I, I, I allocate, like I said, I could allocate even two hours a day to training the rest of the time. I've got teaching, I got coaching, I got a family, I got, uh, a home built and everything. And, and there's still a lot of time in the day. People organize if they look at the, if you sit down and write down what you did minute by minute, hour by hour, or every day. Uh, a lot of people find out that they have a lot of waste, wasted time in there. 
They could be, <laughs> they could be doing something else. I, so I never really thought that I didn't have time to do it. It was, uh, and I enjoyed it. I, I, well, one thing, it, it, if you get in better and better shape, you're just feeling good about yourself. Yeah. You feel good about eating, and you and your body does. You physically feel good. So there's a positive, and mentally you feel good. You know, so and and you know, you don't talk. I never talked about. I never talked to anybody about. I'm training for an Olympic team. I just, what are you doing? Well, I've got a race next weekend. I got to get ready for it. You just take one workout at a time, one week at a time, and you make good choices and good scheduling, and you just work your way into getting a little bit better all the time. That's that was fun. That's a great attitude. Um, you know, you mentioned they're having a couple of kids, and obviously, I know, uh, you know. They're grown now, and I'm sure you have some grandkids. Did uh, any of them, your kids, or a great? I have a great grandkid too. A great grandkid now. That. All right. Wow. Right. Just, just had just two months old now. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> well, no, no. Congratulations. That's that's awesome. Right. Yes. I, you know, I'm just curious if any of your kids or grandkids ever got into running as well. No, my son. Uh, he, I'd try and get him going. He could jog along with me, but he, he didn't. He played a little football, but he was a good swimmer. But he, he just, uh, you know, he wanted to go to work. And so when he went to college, he went to the heavy equipment program and became a heavy equipment operator out of, out of college, out of two years of college here at Central. He, and, and did very well financially, you know, and everything like that. Yeah. Of course. My daughter didn't. She wasn't interested in in athletics. Well, she was interested, but no, she was so. And uh, none of the none of the grandkids have been into it. So I don't I don't blame them. You gotta. You just can't say, "Hey, I want to go be a distance runner." That doesn't that doesn't work. And like I said I just steps that happened to, I want to say, force kind of force me into it. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> or, what... or let, Laid the opportunity for me to make a decision, and that's the way I went. Right. Well, I mean, one of the, you know, we talked about this earlier about kind of almost falling into things, the way things worked out for you. Right. I mean, right. your, your, the first Olympics, the Rome Olympics, was because um, you, had, you had joined the Army. Right. Well, the Army, uh, I'd gone through all the D.C., and uh, Colonel Hull, who was a special service officer of the United States, is a super guy. He came up to me and he said, well, I understand you're right after the trials of Boulder. He said, I, I, I heard, or it says here somewhere, you're, you're, uh, you're going into infantry officer school as soon as you, as soon as you get taken in. I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, as soon as you get there, he said, I'll get your orders. I'm going to send orders there for you to come train at Fort Lee, Virginia for the Olympic team. And I said, oh, wow, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be nice. I, and I'm thinking to myself, I said, you know, geez, that's probably better than going to Korea. Right. And uh, so I, I went first to Fort Benning, Georgia, and completed the infantry officer, uh, officer course. You know, um, so I became an infantry officer platoon leader. But the orders came through right away, get me to Fort Lee, Virginia to train with the Olympic team. They had in the Olympic years, uh, the, uh, army, the Navy, the air force, they all had camps where they, they, uh, 
jerked in or brought in all the kids that were in their services to train for the Olympic team. Well, the big deal was it was a big meet that they had against the all-service teams meet. And it was in Fort Meade, Maryland. And the Army had a team, Navy had a team, and the Air Force and the Marines had a team. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was really competitive. I looked up the stands of Fort Meade, Maryland, and I never saw so many generals. I mean, there's stars all over their shoulder, and they were all sitting there. And someone said, yeah, no telling what kind of betting and that's going on in the stands <laughs> about which team, which team was going to be. So it was very, it was amongst them and the coaches, it was very competitive. So he sent me back, and I got to train well at the Army Training Center back there. Deacon Jones was there. Now, Deacon was a, a University of Iowa graduate. In fact, I'd ran against him once when I was a junior or something like that. Iowa used to come and run a track meet at, at Arizona, and they beat me pretty soundly back then. And anyway, he had raided the Olympic team in the steeplechase in 56. So he was there. He had a little bit of knowledge of the steeplechase. And so I trained with him and learned more about the steeplechase while we were while we were there. And uh, so I came down to the all service meet at Fort Meade, and and and, they, and all the all the coaches were interested was points. So they had you doubling and tripping. So Deacon went and went and talked to the uh, Deacon had ran in the AAU meet back then. I wasn't eligible for it. He had ran in the AAU meet and he had qualified for the Olympic trials. It used to be that the 12 runners at the Olympic trials came from, uh, three came from NCAA, three, or it might have been four, and three come from the NAIA or two. I can't remember how many. And, uh, any of they were, and then the AAU meet provided like three. Anyway, it came down to 12 and the Army trial, the Army, U.S. Army trials, uh, military trials, they would take their winner into the Olympic trials. Wow. So Deacon, Deacon told the, uh, told the, went and told the generals, he had qualified for the Olympic trials already. Deacon told me what he's going to do. He said, I think you can win the all-service meet, and then you'll get to go to the Olympic trials. So he went and talked to the coaches and everything. He said, listen, I'll double or triple even if you want me to. Just let George run the steeplechase by himself, which they did, which I won. <laughs> and now... <laughs> Now it's one of those things I'm, I'm looking at, I guess, what the hell did I just do? Now I got, and now I get to go to the Olympic trials. What am I doing there, you know? So <laughs> anyway, that's how, that's how I got into the Olympic trials. And then I well remember before the race is that, uh, it was at Stanford. And I remember, I remember looking at the San Francisco Chronicle, I guess it is, whatever. I looking at, they had all the, uh, they had the dope sheets just like horse races, horse races. <laughs> they had all the, they had all the 12 runners in each of the events and their, who they picked for their favorites. Well, all the 12 runners, they picked me 11. And I thought, why did I read this? I didn't need to see this crap. <laughs> Pick 11th out of 12. Well, I knew one thing. I knew the top three made it to the Olympic trial. I knew they made the team. Right. And I had been training with Deacon, and I used to do Deacon's workouts, and I'd do his workouts with him at, at Fort Lee, and then he would head off to the barracks. And as soon as he was gone, I'd go back and do some more because I didn't think it was that winter. I was working that hard. <laughs> I'd go back and do some more. 
So we got to the trials, and I sat down with myself and had a little talk. I said, what I've got to do, I've got to get in this race with 12 people, and i got to get in position where I can see the, the uh, where I'm about fourth or fifth position where I can see these runners in front of me, and then just run nice and steady pace. Don't get all excited and get to racing before then. So I, I, I did that, and, and with about two laps to go, I, I looked up and I was, I was catching Deacon and I used to call it the Deacon shuffle and Deacon got tired. He looked like he was shuffling. <laughs> he was shuffling. So I, I, no, first of all, was Tom Oakley. I don't know why I remember that name. I do remember because he was from Arkansas and he was considered one of the best steeplechasers, upcoming steeplechasers. And I was running along behind him and I looked and I thought, shit, he's getting tired. So I passed him and I, I caught up with Deacon. So I followed him for about a lap. And then uh, I passed him with about two laps to go, and I looked up, and here was the leader, Phil Coleman, who had been on the 56 Olympic team too. And going over the last uh, over the last water jump, I passed him and sprinted to finish, and I won the Olympic trials with a new Olympic trials record. Wow! Now, now I was I was time with no bill. I was just racing. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. That's all I was doing was racing, and I won. <laughs> and he said, "Well, gee, now then, 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 what do you think?" I thought, "I think now, what, what have I done to myself now?" You know, I've got. <laughs> but I thought, well, this is going to be better than going to Korea too, you know. So, yeah, that's I mean, how I, that's how I made the first team. I'm sure that uh, what you got to see in Rome was would have been a lot different than what you would have seen in Korea for sure. Oh, right, right. And that was in the race in Rome was one of the big disappointments in the race with uh, about 300 meters to go, and I was in I was in good shape, about fifth place, fourth place, and I hit a hurdle and went sprawling, just hand, knees, arms, elbows down on the center track. Oh. I skinned up pretty good, but I got up and I caught him right at the finish line, and and was edged out for third place. I got fourth, edged out by, well, we had about the same time by a run of the Russian athletes, so I didn't make it to the finals. Wow. That was a, that was an extreme disappointment, but I was running well. I hit a hurdle, and well, I went, caught a toe on it, I guess, because I, I, I don't, I had never done that before. But, wow. but this is another, another history, and I got to think, well, no one really cares about this except me, so. <laughs> forget about it and go on wow when is the first time you ever ran on an all-weather track well definitely wasn't there so, right you know so <laughs> so i'm just trying to think uh, you know you probably have better ideas than i did i'm sure when they first came out some of the big universities had them right and of course, indoors that was that was you know boards or sometimes all weather. But uh, yeah. I I don't remember. I I remember thinking it was uh, really pretty neat. That something rings a bell. It might have been pin relays or something like that. I don't know, Seb. I I, I just was you know curious. I mean the the difference in running on cinder and I mean even the the early all weather tracks they weren't you know quite what they are now. But I mean. It had to have been <laughs> easier running on those than than digging into that cinder. Well, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, and 
I don't know. Well, oh, I can't. I, I just can't. I, I can't remember. I remember it didn't didn't bother me. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I knew everybody else. Everybody else was running on the same track. So right. You just make do with what the situation was. Like if it was windy or rainy, it never really bothered me because I thought, well, when it, when I trained myself and it was windy, I would. And we had some pretty windy times. I'd go out and. I would, I would, uh, if I was doing intervals in the wind, I'd try to do my intervals, intervals into the wind. And, uh, you know, it was raining. The kids said, Coach, it's raining. And I used to tell them, I said, Listen, if you made the Olympic team and it got to the finals of the Olympics for your race and it was raining, would you tell them I can't run in this because it's raining? <laughs> oh, okay. So pretty soon, no one, they all, they all knew that story. Yeah, and so pretty soon it was raining. It's coach, let's go. <laughs> let's go, it's raining. <laughs> you know? So uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. Uh, we have to do they it. Are, they all, they all, they all got to know me pretty well. So. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, even here in New Mexico with the high school kids, they get. Oh, it's it's too windy to do intervals and trim. Oh. Like, we're, our races are going to be in the same wind, so you better get used to it now. <laughs> I remember running in Silver City was bad, but we'd we'd have races in Lordsburg and Deming. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine what that was like. Oh, I can. It was just, I just, it was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought I had advantage. Oh, when I was a freshman, uh, running the the border conference. Well, back then it was the border conference, uh, ASU, and it wasn't Pac-12. It was border conference, and the final meet was held at uh, in uh, at uh, in Lubbock at, uh, at, uh, what uh, Lubbock? Oh, uh, oh, big university there now. Um, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of it for some reason. Just, just going right over my head. But anyway, that's where the finals, I mean, that's where the border conference type meet was. And, uh, and it was windy. And like I said, I, my grandparents or my mom and dad were from Texas. Well, they were from, they were met in Idler, which is just on the other side of Lubbock. In fact, it's just a, it's part of Lubbock now. And a little, they grew up on little old, we call them bumblebee cotton farms, little 40 acre cotton farms, and they're poor farmers. But anyway, when the wind blows, it's red dirt back in that area of Texas. I mean, it blows, it's red. Right. And, and the storm was, the storm was running. Uh, and I was, of course, running the two mile little freshman. <laughs> kind of thing, and he got in the race, got in the race back there, and uh, of course ASU had uh, had one of the favorites, and uh, he was uh, used to remember his name there once in a while. He was big, he was pretty tall. I say tall to me, which doesn't mean anything. <laughs> he was probably six feet tall, and another runner was one of the favorites. They were the two favorites, and they were tall, lanky guys. And he got in the two mile race, and I remember at one time going in one direction, you couldn't hardly see the track. And then the other direction, of course, it was just blowing right behind you. So I just run along like I'd done before in races in high school. And just run along with my head kind of leaning forward and my head down a little bit. All of a sudden, I looked up, and there were a pair of feet right in front of me. <laughs> I caught up with them. So I thought, well, what the heck? So I went ahead and passed them and kept gaining on them, and I won the, I won the board of conference two miles as a freshman. Wow. Well, I think the time was like 10 30 or something like that. 
But anyway, uh, I won the race. So. Yeah, I, that's it. And but, it, it's Texas Tech. I was. I just remembered. Texas Tech, right? Texas Tech Red Raiders. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, that, that was <laughs> the only race I won. But wow, it was a board of conference. I, <laughs> I was, but, and we won. And we won the. We won the uh, team title too. So. <laughs> You know, one thing I th- I thought was interesting was you were you were pretty much ready to retire from running um, after Mexico City, right? Yeah, yep. And so, how did you? But end- I, 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 well, I you know I was so disappointed. Uh, I have a, someone sent me a picture of the finals in Mexico City, and there was there was eight tenths of a second between myself and the and the and the uh, winner in the second place. And uh, I could reach out and, you know, I could touch him. And uh, I, I was so disappointed. I thought, you know, I'm this good a shape. I got to do something as close to, uh, I can make it to indoor season. So I decided I'd run through the indoor season. And that's the reason. And I'd ran the indoor season before where I had, and in those two years, I'd run 20, ran, run 20 straight two-mile races indoors. And, you know, that's Cal Palace, the Madison Square Gardens, the Boston Gardens, uh, all the way, Albuquerque. Uh, it was all those neat places. Right. And so I thought, well, I did pretty well. So I got to the meet in San Diego. And uh, Al Franken, the meet promoter there, he said, I'm going to, I've got a, one of the pretty good two miners going to go out and set a good fast pace for you. And, uh, and I want you to see if you can get the world record. Well, I broke it by uh, half a second. Wow! But they they won't they won't give you a half a second. They so they reverted it back to it was a tie for the world record two mile. Oh wow! And uh, so the next mid next weekend was a three mile in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, a good friend of mine who uh, he wrote he wrote the book about me. Uh, Frank Dawson was a Philadelphia Inquirer sports writer. And they got the, they got a real good Canadian two miler, and and uh, he said he's gonna, I can think of his name sometime. He's gonna, he's gonna set a really good race for you for the three mile. And he did, and and I ran uh, 13.09 three mile indoors. So that was a world record. So anyway, that made me feel like, well, I've done I've done something with all that hard training. I got it. And, didn't get a gold medal, but I got a couple of world records here. Well, during the indoor season, those last two years, I was in my, you know, I was in my thirties and, uh, I, I was running two and three miles and everything. And track and field news used to keep an age group world record. And do you remember Leroy Berman, the sports writer for the Albuquerque paper? Wasn't it Berman years ago for Albuquerque? Uh, I'm trying news, to think. The newsletter. I think I remember Berman, and he was big, big time sports writer for for them. But he had he had checked with the. I have an article someplace. He had checked with Track and Field News, and he said I'd want to check on the age group world records and and check out the races I'd run. Well, for age group world records, I had I had I had eleven world age group world records that wow. I didn't know about. 
Wow. Because I was the only one, I was the only one down enough to run when you're in your thirties and stuff. <laughs> so, so anytime I'd run a race, it was pretty much a record. <laughs> Well, well, that's anyway. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, it's funny. At the, at the time, I think you were at thirty-four. Um, it was the you were the oldest person to break four minutes in the mile. Right, thirty-five. Thirty-five. Wow. wow. I was. I remember. I was. I was a month from reaching thirty. Anyway, I don't know. It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, so how did you, you're ready to retire, you know, how did you end up deciding, you know, that you still had some in and, and, you know, you ended up getting to obviously the, the 70, 72 Olympic trials, you competed in the 5k, made the team, but that journey from I'm ready to retire to no, I've still got it. Well, it, it, it did amaze me that after a couple of times when I laid off that when I came back, I still had a a really solid base left in me. And I had continued to, to go out on runs pretty regularly, but not this, this, not hard, not caring about the time, just just the thing I, that I knew. Coach Fox had, and, and talked about it, and I had studied about it. You know, you, you do have... You do have enlarged heart and lungs after all that time. In fact, I had an x-ray taken a few years back, and the x-ray technician came back and got me and said, I'm sorry, we'll have to take this over. He said, I didn't get nearly all your heart and lungs on that plate. We're going to have to use the largest plate we got. <laughs> so Coach Fox and I, and I agreed. He said, once you quit running, you've got to continue to train because your you, your body is condition to that your heart is conditioned to do that and you can't just cut it off oxygen wise right and and he was right so anyway i i i'd realized then that when i'd start training again i could fairly rapidly in a fairly rapid period of time i could be back doing some workouts that were pretty uh pretty darn good workouts and so i said well, you, I, I could i can race i can run so I did, and I, I was in fairly good shape when I ran against Prefontaine and, and Eugene. And if I'd have been the same condition uh, that I was uh, four years before, I'd have kicked his ass. Because <laughs> he, he ended up, we both ended up breaking the American record, and he beat me by six, seven, eight seconds. Uh, that was all in, within the last lap when I just, I didn't have the kick that I usually had, or I, that I, I didn't have the wasn't in the condition I was before. I wasn't in bad shape because I broke the American record. But, right. You know, I'd like to run in 13, 23, or 24. I can't remember times. So, But obviously I was in pretty good shape. So, yeah. But I just, it just wasn't that, I just realized that I hadn't lost that much. And of course, a lot of it had to do with the, the, my heart and lungs had not deteriorated in size they were still there i just had to get them tuned up a little bit wow so you know obviously in, in this conversation you you've talked a lot about just just racing and just competing and you know you just wanted to be out there and, and kind of had this this competitive spirit you know is that what 
kind of drew you into your coaching career, you know, and, and becoming an AD as well, like that competitive spirit? Well, um, I'm sure it was. I, it, one thing I, I learned, I, I didn't have, I tell me, I didn't have any secrets. The secret was just, you know, a, a dedication to what you're doing and, 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 and the, the why you're out there. And in my case, I was out there because I like to compete and I wanted to win. Now you're not going to get. I'm sure you realize you're not. Your kids are going to come out and and you, know, you think they all want to win, but some of them they just want to be on the team. Right. You know, they just, they just want to get a letter. And I remember going through that. I mean, oh, I just I want to run well. I want to get enough where I can get a letter, and uh, then uh, maybe get a scholarship or, or what like that. But at some point in time, you know, I realized that you know I'm not bad. <laughs> I, I might, I might be able to do something even more than this, and I know I can train harder than I'm training. So a lot of that was that, and then, then when you got, when they asked me to take the athletic director's job when I was coaching at the Central Arizona College, they, there was a new school, fairly new school. They didn't have a new athletic had some administrator that was acting athletic director. And they had hired some coaches in there, just out of, uh, I don't know where he found them at, but, you know, they, they, they're very poor. The basketball team was 0 and 28 or whatever. The baseball team was the same. So one of the administrators who I'd known who for a long time, he contacted me and said, would you, would you be the athletic director? And I said, well, yes, but I have to have, I have to have your assurance that I know they have to have committees for every damn thing in school. But I get to select the head coaches that I want. He said, well, we have to go through an interview process. And I said, I understand all that, but I also understand that the committee can be formed so that I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> well, yeah, I understand. So, yeah. <laughs> so he did. And I always said, you know, Sam, if you, if you were now, if you were a coach or an athletic director at some junior college or something like that, I'll bet you have an idea just being in New Mexico right there, who the coaches are for various sports that you'd like to have that are very successful high school coaches. Yeah. And you think, gee, well, no, this is not too hard to figure out. You know? <laughs> and, and, and so I, I watched and I, I liked athletics, all, all sorts of athletics. We didn't have football and, and I, and they, you know, a lot of the townspeople around in little towns, around the area. Eloy has uh, great football programs over the years. They have the Malones and who played for ASU and they had some great and they're little old tiny schools and, and the people around say, Well why don't you have football out there? Well I said, you know, first of all I tell the administrators, I know I said, first of all, you wouldn't want to pay the price you pay what it's gonna cost to have a team. Right. Because I went so far as to getting a real good uh uh, one of the sports uh, salesmen that I knew very well from California, I said, write me out a budget of what it would stop, what it would take for me to cost to buy equipment. For so and I, anyway, I presented that doll to him, plus lights. and Plus, I said, plus, we're going to get our ass kicked <laughs> in football. I said, you want all these little black kids and, and poor little Mexican kids who are great high school football players where I get them here and you're going to go up against teams from these big – Big junior college who are recruiting from all over the country. I said that's just not going to happen. So I could I held them off, but I was able to select uh, you know 
good basketball coach, and and we had a good women's coach who won a couple national championships. And then uh, our baseball coach, he won a national championship. And then I hired his assistant coach, who uh, who was a, obviously a very good coach, and who I watched. And he had he was just a part time instructor, but all his all his classes were filled up with people who wanted to take his classes. And I went and watched them because they just loved him. So I got him to take the women's softball team. And that was one of my favorite hires, obviously, because he won three national championships. And then the University of Arizona hired him, and he won eight national championships. And he just retired this year as the, as the winningest softball coach in, in the history of the sport in college. Wow. And people, you know, he always says, well, he said, I remember talking. I said, I want you to take the, take the women's softball program. And he said, coach women? He said, I, I don't know. I said, well, you can make a lot more money. I'll take it, he said. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he was history. And then I had the next one I had, he won a couple. and He was hired by ASU and he did very well there. So it, it just does a matter of, uh, you know, hiring successful coaches. And it just it's not hard to look around. It gets, it gets into politics and you get asking other people and they want to recommend, you know, you don't. You know who you want to hire. I bet you'd have a good idea who you'd want to hire as a head track coach someplace if you didn't have it. Yeah. So, so it's just paying attention and you know what they're doing. Successful year after year after year. Oh. And you know, in high school, that's not easy. You got to keep them coming. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that that was that was not a. That was an easy and uncomfortable job for me. I didn't mind it. Well, that's good. You know, you talked about, you know, at the time, you know, you had to keep on working out to, you know, keep your, because <laughs> your body was used to that. You know, what does that mean for you now as you've gotten older, you know, running, walking, staying in shape? You know, what are you doing now? Well, uh, we're out of hip about four or five years ago, I don't know how long it's been now. And I had to have a hip replaced. And my doctor showed me an x-ray of the other hip. He said, if you don't quit that, I'm going to have to replace that other one. He said, you got to quit running and start walking, which I did. And I told somebody, you know what it's like walking down the road and having a couple of little ladies come rock, jogging past you? That's <laughs> <laughs> But then I've got the point now. I give them a thumbs up and say, "Good, good, go for it." And uh, so, but I've had to do that, and uh, I've had to be careful. I've had a, I've, I've, I've taken a cardio test, stress test, and stuff like that over the years. And it's, uh, but the fact is, you, you've got to keep it going. In fact, I have a cardiologist that I just, uh, cardiologists are, are prima donnas. <laughs> they, they think they are the uh, they are the elite of the medical profession, and I've tried to tell him before. I said, you know, I realize sometimes that I might have some symptoms that are a little different than others because if I'm not getting enough exercise, my heart I can tell I've got some uneasy feelings in there, and I think it's because I have to do some exercise for that heart to respond the way it would like to. Yeah. I don't have to work hard, but I've got to. You know, I can't just sit around and do nothing all the time. 
Well, I, I think it's very important that you, I know it's very important. You know, once you've gone as far as I've gone or even got it started, it's very important that you keep it up. But, uh, like I said, then the guy, guy got it. He said, I just barely got it on a big tablet when he was x-raying my heart. And my, <laughs> he said, as a matter of fact, I got part of his lungs. Didn't he get part of his lungs at that? He said, he said, my gosh, you ought to see these. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> but that's a, you know, how many miles you figure I ran? I said, I, I once a while I got out running, I thought, figured in my head, and I think, what the hell am I doing this for? <laughs> I, I don't know, a bunch. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I, but <laughs> I can, I mean, geez, I mean, just from what you've told me, and being, I mean, running around. You know, in high school, into town, meeting friends, running all these years, all these miles, 12 to 20 miles, once a week. I mean, I can't even imagine the the thousands of miles you, you've put on those legs and feet and hips and everything. Well, right. I, uh, I, at one time, you know, people, well, they want to get into the mileage factor for training athletes. You've probably seen that or know it. Yep. And, you know, 100 miles was, I remember when Coach Fox was doing it, I realized one time he had me running, and I realized I started adding up my weekly my weekly mileage was was right around 100 miles a week. At seven and a half in the morning, and approximately two-mile warm-up, two-mile warm-down, four miles, and about three miles of interval. And I, I got looking at that, and I thought, well, you dumb shit, that's 100 miles a week. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know that, I don't know that he did it for that reason. Other than the fact that uh, you know you know you keep it up, so but I got I got doing I got thinking about it. I got thinking about it, and I remember one time I was going pretty good, and for some reason I'd finished the day and I'd looked at my workout for I looked at my workout last week and I just opened up this. I wouldn't open up my workout sheets though and look at them in advance. By the way, I didn't even look at what the next day's workout was going to be because you start thinking about it and it, that's not good. Right, and that that was the main reason. One of the main reasons I had him because when I didn't have a coach, I had to sit around. Well, you can imagine. I had to sit around thinking. Well, I got a big race coming up now. What should I be? Well, maybe I'll do this. Well, maybe I'll do more than this. Well, maybe I'll do it faster. Right. And so mentally, you're you're stressing out or using a lot of energy trying to decide what you should do day by day. Day. Yeah. With Coach Fox, all I had to do is open up the envelope and look at, and I would only look at one day at a time. So I got looking at one one time, and and I realized I'd, I'd run that much. I realized I'd I had about 95 miles for that week. And I was going. I was in bed, and I was in bed. And I thought, geez. <laughs> so I got up. I got up and put my shoes on, and went out and ran five miles. <laughs> now I'm I'm in top physical condition. I went now that you know. That's how deep into the mental part of your body you can allow, well, I say allow yourself. I think that it, it becomes necessary. To, but anyway, uh, but 100 miles is no secret. I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I, I think, uh, depending on the race, you know, I think a miler getting 80 miles a week would be more than enough, especially if they're getting the speed that they need to get in to be a miler, which is, which has got to be. You got to be able to run 12 quarters, well under, well under 60 seconds with a one-minute interval if you're going to break a four-minute mile. Right. 
and uh but uh anyway it's, it's all history <laughs> yep, it's all history <laughs> it, you know i this this conversation has been has been great and i i mean i love your attitude through it all and i i love how you know you you've talked about this and you've mentioned this several times it's all history it's all history it doesn't seem like you're you know you're you're happy with your accomplishments but it doesn't seem like they are all that define you well no i it's uh yeah it i i just i've, I've known a lot of people i know a good friend who won the 5000 in tokyo in a gold medal and uh he immediately yeah, he wore that gold medal everywhere he went he he actually thought that he was going to get off the airplane and and that and he lived up in there where a big auto factory he, i really think he thought that the general motors president was going to meet him and offer him some high-powered job and and that he would uh so he just he just lived the was boy don't you see who i am don't you know who I am? It was kind of a deal, and and I I just uh, I realized right away I that's that's not what I did it for, and I definitely uh, you have to live with your results, you know. And right. I have I have some races I wish I could do over again, but but uh, that's not possible either because I've also had a lot of really good races. Like I told some people, I've. I've won a lot of races, but I've also lost just as many or more, probably. Uh, I don't know, but so <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's what it is. But I'm happy with the, I'm happy with uh, with my life. I've got a great family, great wife, great parents, great parents, and all. And jeez, uh, how can you beat that? I you know that's uh, that's that's a great comment i think that's a great way to to wrap this up and you're right i mean no matter what you did on you know in the running which was all great and the coaching and all of that you know it comes down to to that life you've built for yourself with with your family and the people that are that are there with you day to day so um like, well yeah. <laughs> i uh, uh i uh, <laughs> I, it, it's hard. It's hard to try to tell people it. It was no big deal. It was just a step by step process. <laughs> I put myself in a situation. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, the other thing, what you did? You did you, uh, you when you grew up, you trained so you'd be an Olympian. I said I didn't even think about that. I never thought about it. I never thought about it until all of a sudden I'd I'd made it to the trials, and then I thought, well, what am I doing here? With all these great runners, <laughs> it was fun, Tim. Why? Well, I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing story, an amazing career. Um, you know, I have just one last question for you, and it's how I always end the podcast, and and that's just, you know, what are you listening to nowadays? To you know, maybe get you up in the morning, get you moving, um, get you motivated. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm a, I'm a country western fan. I love Willie Nelson. Oh, that's good. And, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to get you on, get a, let's get on the road again with Willie, you know, but, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I, I like I like country western. I I, I like uh, well, I like a bunch of the artists. I, I just uh, that's my favorite music I like to listen to. But it's uh, and I played golf for a little while, but that was not uh, that was a waste of time and effort. I wasn't getting any better, but <laughs> it was just uh, just hacking around. I I got to, I wasn't too bad, but anyway, I don't play golf anymore. If I was going to do something I really want to do, I'd probably go fishing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but uh, anyway, like I said, I, I I have to look back and think I really had a lot of a lot of people. Like I said, my parents were were the way I was raised, and uh, I was the defining factor in where, where I went and what I got to be. So that's that's awesome. Um, you know, like I said, this has been a great conversation. I've, I've had a lot of fun talking to you, learning about some of the stuff that, you know, isn't out there in, in some of the other interviews and things that you've done. And, um, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Oh, I, I don't know. I just uh, talked out. I, I, you know, there's, there's so many things or incidents that happened around, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, when the race was over, it was over. You just start preparing for the next one, and that's where I am now. Just keep it going, keep busy. Oh, and it's, it's nice to talk to somebody that understands, like yourself, that understands a little bit about, or a lot about running, especially distance running. It's, it's just not like any other sport. I you know the thing about the other thing about was I played a lot of football in high school and, and a lot of basketball in and uh, you had to depend on all these other people on there if you were going to be successful. And that was that's all right. You had to depend on That was part of the deal. But then in racing, I, I was thinking, well, think about in racing, I'm in charge. I don't have to depend on anybody else or anything like that when I get in a race. They don't have to help me out. or uh, It's just... Uh, it's just uh, up to me. Do whatever I want to be, however I want to good, however how good I want to be, or whatever. So. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time, and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime... Keep running, New Mexico.